0: Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio, brought to you by Gowan Company. Rick Richter, Maxwell, California. Richter Aviation. Crop dusters. Air applicators. Air ag. Whatever you call it, I call it cool. And we talk it all right now. I love that you say you have a passion for flying. Is it truly a passion for you?
1: It is. It is. And it always has been a passion since I was just a little boy, uh, watching all the crop duster pilots and airplanes fly around our dairy barn when I was small and I just thought, man, I'd really like to be one of those guys. And, you know, I ended up being one. So (laughs) here I am. It's been a a long journey. It's been a long journey, but it's very, very rewarding. You know, and now my son is carrying on right along with me. And that's, it's the best life can offer. I can tell you that.
0: Well, you mentioned it. You said crop duster and I look it up and you find crop duster, you find aerial applicator is there a right word for it anymore?
1: You know, we go by aerial applicator, uh, ag pilot is okay. probably closer to, uh, describing the person that's flying the airplane, but the, the job that he's doing is, uh, aerial application, um, gone are the days when you saw the barnstormers, you know, crop <laughs> dusting the fields and, and all of that. But, uh, we've kind of evolved from that into more of a professional industry okay. and, uh, we really, really embrace technology uh, that you just can't believe uh, the strides that we've made with uh, GPS, especially. In the old days, they had the flaggers that would mark the fields. Well, nowadays, we have uh, GPS technology that just guides us right across the field uh, following a light bar. And we can get it within one to three feet accuracy. And Wow. There's a lot of different things that the application uh, itself is becoming more and more advanced, you know, with flow controls and with prescription mapping, prescription applications. Okay. Uh, that's just getting, getting the product to the target, where it needs to be and, and at the quantity that it needs to be. And, of course, you know, aerial application by its nature is fast and efficient, and uh, that's, that's pretty much our selling card. A lot of people uh, don't realize that the, the pilot is out there performing his duties day in and day out it's just amazing
0: take me back to the beginning you said as a kid you wanted to fly and when did it when did that happen for you
1: oh i'd say when i was 12 years old maybe younger than that uh on our a dairy farm so and uh the business that uh, that that guy ran in our local Town I just recently purchased, so oh no way. Yeah, this area we just uh, took over one of the last uh, aerial application businesses near us, so we're we're pretty proud of that that we can serve our community in the fashion that we do. At what age did you start flying? You know, I began flying when I went to college at Chico State uh, my freshman year, and that was 1970, fall of '70, and I got my private license in 1972. I started ag flying in 1979, so I worked for four years after I got out of college on the ground here at the business that I purchased where I'm at right now. I purchased this business in 1997 from the owner of the business where I once flew. I went out on my own in 1983. Uh, with one a model ag cap and I still have that airplane. (laughs) That
0: is completely (laughs) great. What led you to aerial ag?
1: Well like I tell you I was involved in agriculture and I was uh, studying agriculture at Chico State. I've always wanted to fly so I began flying and uh, when I got to when I graduated from Chico State there just weren't that many jobs in ag and I thought well I can put aviation with agriculture and be an ag pilot. And so I started working with my cousin, Paul Richter, who was the manager of this business here where I am right now. And, uh, he put in four years, uh, he put me in an airplane and then I just started from there. And that was 1979. <laughs> Off you went.
0: <laughs> so
1: I don't know about you,
0: but on my list of cool jobs, this one is way up the list. But here's some things you may not know about crop dusters or aerial ag or aerial application, whatever you want to call it. Aerial application accounts for up to one fourth of the delivery of crop products in America. That's pretty amazing. There are approximately 2,700 aerial applicators, all pros in the United States working right now aerial application is one of the most demanding career choices a pilot can make second only to a jet fighter pilot and there's another piece of cool history we'll let rick tell it but talk about coincidence this is pretty cool
1: what i'd like to add mark sure and i'm really excited about this as well as all the other applicators this is our 100th year anniversary this year and it was a hundred years ago august 3rd 1921 that aerial application was born. Our uh, our association is uh, going about this in a big way this year. We're celebrating all through the year and will culminate at our annual convention this year in Savannah, Georgia. It's really it's really something to uh, tell the story of ag aviation and how it's changed uh, modern society. Really, the farming and feeding the world. It's just uh, it's really. Uh, amazing thing that we do and well not a lot of people understand that well i found a quote from you
0: that said the airplane is one of the best tools the farmer has and it sounds like that's exactly right
1: i believe and i think the farmers do too that it's the it's the best value of any of the tools in his toolbox because of the speed and efficiency and the accuracy of the applications that go on and the timeliness uh we can get right on a field or you know, of our c- customers that uh, would have, say, insect infestation and take care of those bugs before they do great damage to the crop. You know, we're in a partnership with the with the growers and also with the consumers to do a good, safe job and to protect the environment at the same time.
0: And I, I don't think people
1: necessarily see it that way all the time. No, they don't. And that's uh, that's a shame. But, you know, we're We're out here doing our job just like they are doing their job, uh, whatever they do in uh, life. And it's just that we've had a passion for aviation and agriculture and and we're, you know, we're doing that.
0: You're listening to Open Field radio if you haven't heard it it's new to you right gowan usa has a broad selection of herbicides fungicides and insecticides to deliver customized solutions for your crops gowan provides the right programs to fit your unique needs standing behind our products with expert service and support and gowan usa is family owned and operated right here in the united states of america for over 55 years that's a long time check it out for yourself at gowanco.com and now you know I want to hear from you. Yep, and not just an email. Though emails are cool, and of course this will involve an email too, but it'll be a cool email. Because here's what I need you to do. Grab your phone, find the voice app. You know the little memo app in your phone that nobody uses for much of anything? We're going to use it. I want you to give me your name, where you're from, what you do, and that you listen to Open Field Radio. So it would go like this. I'm Mark, Yuma, Arizona, host of Open Field Radio, and I listen to Open Field Radio. Got it? Just Fill in the blanks with your information. Shoot it off to me in an email, info at openfieldradio.com. I just might use it on the air. And if I do, I'll send you something cool. How's that? Because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio.
1: My name is James Slittle. I'm right outside of Idaho, Texas. And I'm listening to Open Field Radio.
0: You know, you, you brought up the, the term barnstorming. My dad used to tell me as a kid, he goes, my dad was a Marine. And he said, you know, a lot of those guys that are flying today were with me in the Corps back in the day. Does the military generate a lot of aerial applicators?
1: It did back in the day, Mark. Uh, I'm not so sure that it's that way today. Most of the pilots coming out of uh, the military today are flying jets, you know? Sure. And they've probably gone on to, they go on to airlines, being airline pilots. Sure. And we do have some uh, military pilots in the uh, in the ag aviation business. Uh, but I think it was probably more of a, a thing back then coming out of World War II and, and actually, John McCready, the guy that made the first application back in nineteen twenty one was a world war one pilot and that was after after World War one he and another one of his lieutenants uh, decided to dust a they needed to put dust on a catalpa orchard in dayton ohio there you go and they they applied lead arsenic dust and uh and the rest is history.
0: And the rest
1: and the rest how, is history. Look how far we've <laughs> look say. how far we've come in ten decades. It's just it's amazing what the yeah. It's just amazing where we've come. We've embraced technology and and you have to nowadays to survive. Oh sure. And our industry is probably one of the industries that has done it the best.
0: Well, your industry is is basically a huge collection of really small businesses people with a plane, two planes, a connection with farming, something. These are not big corporations, correct?
1: No, they aren't. You know, there are a few nowadays uh, bigger corporations uh, like chemical companies that have bought out different aerial application businesses across the country. But for the most part, yeah, we are small businesses that provide this service to the farmer so he can provide the most safe and uh, abundant food supply for the consumers of the country and the world.
0: And it's such the spirit of America that is a really great thing. In, in this day and age, then, if, if the pilots aren't like they used to be coming out of the military or anything else, what's the path to being an aerial applicator?
1: You know, the path nowadays to being an aerial applicator is is pretty much uh, beginning with uh, an aviation uh, aviation background. Mm-hmm. or an agricultural background sure. if you have both that's even better you know we get pilots from all walks of, of life a lot of them are in their 40s nowadays they've had a passion for flying and just never did it and finally they they'll get their license and then they'll decide well uh, what do i do now i I want to become a crop duster or an air pilot sure i should say <laughs> no, I like and it. they uh, they pursue they pursue that avenue and i think it's a it's a good career path Oh, I think it's exciting. Wow. More so for the younger pilot that's uh, looking for a a chance to build time and, you know, spend time in a rewarding career. So here's
0: the deal. I don't know a lot, but I do know this. If you're going to be a pilot... There's going to be continual education required. Great career choice, just get ready because you're going to have to follow it up with a little education. But it's all good because it's available all over the place, depending on your state and depending on what you're trying to do. It's great education for aerial applicators, keeping everybody current on the regulations and things you may need to know. Things like drift minimization and safety addressing human factors. And anything else that is current and applicable. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through to keep your <laughs> your uh, certification current. You know, you're dealing with the FAA and you're dealing with all the state departments of agriculture, uh, pesticide regulation, right? Uh, EPA, everything.
0: Yeah, and, and not every crop protection product
1: can be applied via air. That's correct only uh, or only certain products that are labeled for air, aerial use majority of them are and we use them safely and efficiently sure. to uh, to protect the environment wherever we work now
0: you're located in in central california is that correct
1: we're in the northern part of uh, the central valley which is the sacramento valley uh, right in the heart of the rice country so our our operation my wife and i started it in 1983 and uh, We're still at it. She's in the office right now. We predominantly take care of rice fields.
0: And during the season, uh, weather permitting, I'm sure fog's an issue for you. I'm sure all sorts of weather conditions are an issue for you. Looking at recent situations, where do things like the wildfires and those kind of things play into your role with the farmer? Uh, the idea that obviously the farmers have to keep farming and you have to keep delivering. Do the wildfires play a factor in that in your in the air and in the air quality as
1: far as visibility, visibility
0: and or air flyability? Quality. Yes, exactly. And flyability does that does that is that a factor at all?
1: When the forest fires are in the summertime, and we've had a few of them here in Northern California that have affected the air quality to such an extent that we could not fly for you know one or two or three days before. it it improved but it has it has affected us in the past.
0: and does that affect you mostly in visibility issues or is there a reason the, you you can't fly in that condition besides visibility
1: yes yeah, it's, it's it's the visibility mark we can't see that well we have to we have to be able to see and avoid the objects that are around the field
0: and that makes that makes sense do you guys fly at night too
1: you know in the southern san joaquin valley they do okay uh up in the northern sacramento valley here we don't uh Mainly because of the heat, it's the heat, so they protect the uh, protection of the bees. The bees bees tend to go in their hives at night, so that's why the the uh, people down south spray the insecticides mostly at night. And actually, the night flying—I've never done it, but I've been told that it's uh, the power lines. You can see them a lot better. Oh, really? In the night, with the lights, yeah, the lights will shine on the wires, and you'll be able to see them. Sure. In the daytime, they tend to blend with the background.
0: Talk to me about your national association, the National Agriculture Aviation Association. You're a part of that?
1: Oh, yeah. It's a great association, made up of uh, roughly half of the companies that are in the United States, and over half the pilots. And uh, it's just, uh, it's a great association that you can. you can go to the conventions and see all the new and latest gadgets that are, you know, <laughs> have been brought sure. in, mainly for the uh, advancement of the industry. And it's for continuing education as, re- as well.
0: You were, the, you were the president at one point, 2011?
1: I was. I was in 2011 and had the great honor bestowed upon me to be the president of the association. And it's something that I look back on as the pinnacle of my career. You just can't get much better than that. and it's a great group of people that we work with that are constantly advocating for our uh, our livelihoods.
0: Livelihoods, careers, jobs, businesses like Richter Aviation. This is not a cheap venture. Trust me here, I got the figures right here. On average, each aerial application business has two point three aircraft. On average, Rick has more than 2.3 aircraft, ranging in price from $100,000 to nearly $2 million, depending on, well, depending on a lot of things. And that's just the airplane. That doesn't take into account any of the precision gear that's on there, from GPS to flow controls and real-time meteorological systems. You name it, it all costs money. Lots of money. In building a business that is an air application business, this is not a small investment.
1: No, it's not, Mark. Uh, you have to start out with a lot of money. And there's an old saying that uh, money makes the airplane fly. Mm. And that's it's true. It's a time, and investment in time and, and money, your education, your flying. Uh, and then you have to build clientele. The hardest about, part about that is keeping the clientele, you know. So you do good work and you do a good job. You work hard and, and, it's, and you can keep the people happy, your uh, customers. Why, that's what it's all about. Is it competitive? It's a it's a fairly fairly competitive business where there's large amount of operators. Uh, in my area, it's not so bad. We all have our certain areas that we work in, and we get along.
0: Is is it like a lot of agriculture? I did an interview with a onion farmer down in Texas a few weeks ago, and he shed light on the stories of everything is on a handshake and a relationship. Is it the same way in your industry?
1: You know, uh, it is. It is. It hasn't of evolved into anything beyond that, uh, for myself anyway, I'm sure maybe some of the larger corporations would have a contract with their growers. But my growers come to me because of the reputation that I have for doing a good job over the last 40 years. <laughs> 43 years. That's a long time. Of course they call you. I, I take great p- pride in the work that I do, and I've tried to instill that uh, into my son so that he can carry on, and in turn, it'll be his legacy someday.
0: Well, talk to me about that legacy. Talk to me about the future of both your business and the future of the industry. For your business, your son Nick, who was going to join us today, but is out there flying and working,
1: which is what you got to do, he he will carry this business forward, correct? He's got to carry the torch. That's right. I'm 68 years old right now, and and I'll be looking at retiring any time. You know, in the next few years, I'll never get out of it completely because <laughs> right. I'll always be I'll always be here to help. But, uh, <laughs> I love that. He, he's uh, he's really anxious about taking over the business and uh, you know taking it from here. So it, it'll be in good hands. Oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. What do you see future
0: changes ahead for the industry?
1: You know, there's a lot of a lot of innovation that's coming down the pike uh, you know, with this, uh, autonomous autonomy and stuff like that. Right. I can see, I think they're working on it right now. Some, uh, of the aerial of the application part of the job will be all pre-programmed. So the pilot will just fly the airplane and the, you know, the application itself will be gone, going through a computer to, uh, to apply, um, the correct amount wherever it needs to be applied
0: besides uh aerial application and that application can be both what uh crop protection products
1: you guys seed as well we do seed fertilizer and all the herbicides dry herbicides and uh liquid insecticides uh, fungicides and we we do we do applications on organic farms as well with organic uh, fertilizers and we seed rice Organic rice. So you know, we do it all.
0: Well, you 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 mentioned uh, autonomy. I know they've got autonomous tractors now, and they're on the on the market basically. I know the drones are out there doing everything from beneficial insect deliveries to. Like you said, mapping and all sorts of other things. So I'm sure the aerial applicator industry is uh, right in the mix. I can't imagine they wouldn't be. That's all. You'd think they'd all play together.
1: Yes, yes, we are. We're right there. I
0: can't miss an opportunity for some shameless self-promotion. Well, not for me, but for the show. If you follow the show, you know we've done an episode on autonomous tractors. Robot tractors, I like to call them, with Bear Flag Robotics. That was Season 1, Episode 12. You can find it on the playlist. Go check that out. And an episode with drones. That's right, beneficial insects and drones. Season 1, Episode 10 with Parabug. Check them out for yourself. What's your favorite thing about what you do?
1: Oh, I think at the end of the day, I can look back and see a, a crop that I've planted and watched it grow through the summer. It gets green. I've sprayed the weeds, applied the fungicides and the fertilizers, and and nurtured that crop until the harvest. And it's just a golden brown, and the harvest comes off, and the farmers and are happy. The consumers get a product that's safe, affordable, and abundant. And uh, just a sense of satisfaction that you get from seeing this crop from day one until harvest and working with the people that that we work with is uh is just it's it's life is what it is i think coast to coast and
0: around the world you're listening to open field radio so here you go. EcoSwing from Gowan USA is an OMRI-listed botanical fungicide created using proprietary plant extracts. Gotta love it. EcoSwing is labeled for use on many different crops to control powdery mildew, botrytis, monolinea, alternaria, and several other diseases. And it's a global leader in fungicidal control of several key pathogens. EcoSwing makes a valuable addition to your integrated pest management program. Add another mode of action to your disease control defense and combat possible resistance from overuse of other actives. EcoSwing. always read and follow label directions from gowan company cool people having conversations about agriculture and life open field radio and now back to open field radio with our guest air applicator rick richter you know you're flying over their crops all the time what's your relationship with the farmer
1: my relationship with the farmer is he's who i depend on for my business and my livelihood and that's good i have good relationships with them most of the time we deal with PCA or the Crop Protection Analyst, you know.
0: Right. Do you know them personally? Do you know the farmers personally?
1: Every last one. A lot of them I've grown up with, so they're in our community. You see them every day. Can you
0: take me through a day at Richter Aviation? What happens at the beginning of the day? How does it all get
1: started? Well, it depends on which day you want to. <laughs> you know, right now it's kind of slow, but uh, usually I'm up at 4 a.m. Okay. Uh. Sometimes before that, depending on how much I have to do, I get to work by 5 or 5.30, and uh, the crew will come in at 6, basically, sometimes earlier, and uh, the pilots come in, get their their orders for the jobs that they're going to be doing, uh, at least for half of the day to get them going, and uh, they send their crews out to the strips that are satellite strips where we have uh, the material will be waiting for the jobs that they have to do and When they get done with those jobs, they'll call in and say, we're done with that now. And then we send them on to another job. So it's, uh, we communicate a lot with our pilots and the growers throughout the day. But uh, my day, you know, if I'm in the airplane, it's just like the other pilots. But uh, if I'm not, if I'm on the ground, it's like, You know, the whole day goes by so fast because you're putting fires out everywhere.
0: I'll bet it goes by real fast. You still fly a lot. You said you're hoping to retire, but I'm sure that will never happen. I do. (laughs) Well, you know,
1: I've seen too many people retire and then, uh, you know, everything just kind of falls apart on them. But I, I enjoy what I'm doing. And I love doing it. I just I'm not going to give it up until I have to. How many planes are a part of Richter Aviation? Well, this year we'll be flying seven airplanes. Last year it was six. We acquired two more from the business that we've uh, purchased. Uh, one of them will be flying probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, but right now we've got six online. On Thursday the pilots are coming in. One as far away as New Zealand. He comes and he does the season the busiest part of the season with us. One guy's on his way down from Washington. One guy's coming from Minnesota. They're all converging right now. Me and my son and one other pilot are right here local in Maxwell.
0: Well, down our way here in Arizona, they'll fly the winter season here. I know guys that go to like Belize and Central America and fly there on the other part of the season does that happen up your way
1: it does it does one of my pilots goes to in indiana in july okay he'll fly there in indiana mm-hmm. i do have one other pilot that does mosquito abatement when we're done here with the rice and around the first of june he has a contract with one of the local mosquito abatement outfits and he flies uh an airplane for him and that's important work too it is you know and people don't realize that aerial application is mosquito abatement as well as now fire suppression you know fighting forest fires with single engine uh, air tankers
0: and you guys can get involved in that as well
1: i haven't but a lot of the friends that i know across this country uh, in the midwest have gotten into it in a big way
0: what uh what airplanes do you guys fly
1: mark we fly the uh mainly the ag cat which is a biplane and we've converted them over to turbines uh turbine engine from the round reciprocating engines that were world war ii surplus engines so we've got uh, four of those turbine Agcats. cats recently we just purchased a new turbine uh, thrush from the factory back in albany georgia and that's a 710 gallon airplane and my son went back uh, just last week and brought it out here from missouri where uh, we the next day we took it up to washington to have an inlet modification on the aircraft to make it run cooler but anyway we've got one big turbine uh, monoplane and four turbine uh AgCats. uh plus we have two other still have two round motor agcats that do the lighter work open field radio like share
0: subscribe This is Michael Rulman, author of Grocery The Buying and Selling of Food in America. Price check on Honey Nut Wonder
1: Rose, season one, episode four. And you're listening to Open Field Radio. So many things with this business that I've uh, been a part of that uh, really tugs at your heartstrings. The sun rises and the sun sets every day, and the work, the hard work that's done uh, by everybody that's out there flying ag is uh, just it's just, uh, it's just a, something that I've been overwhelmed by. Most of the pilots that you meet are humble. will they, they won't tell you a lot about what they do. They understand that it's just something that's so personal that you can't really convey the feeling that you get when you see, you know that many sunrises and they're different every day in the work that we do. Other than that, you know, I think uh, flying for a living. is uh, is so rewarding. I just wouldn't have it any other way.
0: You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.